True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, among others. They'll do all of that so you can do literally anything else. You have better things to do with your free time than focus on your lawn care. Let True Green take care of all the hard work it takes to get a great lawn while you take care of everything else on your to-do list. You can trust True Green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which gives you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. Think about how hard it is to manage our fantasy baseball teams. You need all the time you can get to put in waiver wire claims, fab bids, send out trades, and set your lineups. You'll have that extra time when True Green is taking care of your lawn. You do you, let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, guaranteed. Domingo Santana, ooh, I wanna have ya Tanakas, Fakakta, Jag like Michael Waka Polanco and Franco, John Carlos Stanton's number one fan. Boy, it feels good to watch him crush baseballs again. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball Today on this Kokomo Friday, July 24th. Frank Stanfall alongside Scott White, Chris Towers, and Adam Azer. Guys, I tried to tell you about Stanton, but you just wouldn't listen. <laughs> Sorry, Frank. You were right, oh, man. Oh, he's not even that good. Oh, 2017 was the only season he's been good. Oh, oh, his skills are diminishing. Oh, his strikeout rate's moving in the wrong direction. He's not a standout and batting batted balls. Yeah, yeah. Giancarlo Stanton is the best hitter in fantasy baseball. Number one hitter in fantasy baseball currently. That is I'm a not f- sure who said some of those things that you just uh, pretended those are to hear. <laughs> pretty much direct quotes. I don't think so. I'm, I might Look, have... You guys have been you guys have been trying to run away from what you said all evening, and I will just say, uh, first of what... all, we record every single one of these. Sure. I don't know if you guys know that. Sure. There, there's what the we internet. said, and there's what you may have heard. No. What are you talking about? There's, there's only what you said. You've never heard of uh, Rashomon or whatever it's called? It's one of those situations. All right, no. Giancarlo Stanton for real, though. Two for three, two-run homer. Uh, how many times did A-Rod say that he looked lean in the broadcast? Oh, my gosh, that happened a million I times. Didn't really, I didn't really think he looked all that lean. You yeah. know who looked lean? He looked like Giancarlo Stanton. Who you know lean? who looked lean? Who, Luke Scott? freaking Luke Voigt. Voigt. He looked like yeah. a different person. He looked like he shed a Luke Voigt and turned into <laughs> Will Myers. He looked like Luck Vaught. <laughs> oh man, uh, the home run for Stanton, 459 feet, and he also had an RBI single. Uh, but Chris, I'm about to rain on your Stanton parade. You know why? This is where you say why. Why not? Uh, both of those came on fastballs. He still can't hit breaking pitches, uh, Chris. Oh jeez. This this is see like <laughs> that is a thing that you actually said and you meant it. All right, we'll see. Like, Look, the, I, go, how did Scherzer not have the scouting report not to throw fastballs to John Carlos Stanton? Just gonna tell you, I got. I'm taking tomorrow off. I'm gonna go through the archives. I'm gonna dig up each and every one of the times that you guys said John Carlos Stanton should retire. Here's here's a couple things I know I said about Stanton. He he's only once had a 40 homer season, which is factually true. It'll be twice and, after this year. And 2018, his production was. His his overall production, fantasy points per game, was quite a bit worse than the majority of his career. And then when he follows that up with a lost season, you really wonder where it leaves him. Was he on the decline? What's going on? No, Scott. You really wonder it. You said okay. Jorge Soler was better. Jorge Soler has yeah. no hits this season. Uh, that is true. That <laughs> is we, true. However, stop. I, Max only. I would still All trade right, let's, Stanton for Solaire today. We've we've talked enough about Stanton already today, and for the rest of time today on the show, uh, we are Never reacting enough. to opening night. Of course, we're going to help you with your decisions for the long eleven day week. Plus, we will look at some two star pitchers for those who are setting their lineups on Monday again, which is I would assume most roto leagues. Uh, the game is official. The Yankees won four to one. They called it because of rain. In the top of the six, Adam, you're here as well. 
Actually, I do have one last stand thing to do. Have you ever heard the the call, John uh, yes. John Sterling? Oh, so bad. The worst John thing about John Carlos Non si può stoparlo. <laughs> Apparently, in Italian, like, means John Carlo, you can't be stopped. That's uh, actually pretty cool. Like, why not? Like, pick some words you can actually pronounce correctly. Adam, your I biggest takeaway from uh, spitballing. Yankees uh, and Nationals. Yeah. All right. So my biggest takeaway is a few things. Well, first of all, I just want to say it's great to have baseball back. I don't really care about the fans. Like I'm not, it doesn't change the viewing experience for me. Uh, I think it's fine. I felt that way watching exhibition games over the weekend. I'm just glad to have baseball back. That's great. Uh, I also think it's funny that legitimately, and this is the truth, as a fantasy baseball analyst or whatever the heck I am, quasi analyst, much more interested in Johnny Cueto versus Dustin May than Garrett Cole versus Max Scherzer. I think all of my fantasy baseball viewing is based on pitching matchups, and I care more about the guys that are relevant for your waiver wire. And we're watching this game right now, and we'll have a lot to say about May and, and Cueto. Um, for the Yankees, you mentioned Luke Voigt. I just want to say that they they seem to like Mike Ford quite a bit. I don't know that he stays on the roster that long. I don't know. Like he's on the roster now that they have 30 guys. Uh, Voight's a streaky guy. If he gets off to a slow start, it would be a little alarming because I think he might not play as regularly as I anticipated because Ford, you know, has been hitting pretty well uh, in summer camp and whatnot. So that's something to keep in mind. Aaron Hicks is not going to lead off. Typically, that's going to be DJ LeMayhew. Brett Gardner's not going to draft that fifth. I have really no concerns at all about Max Scherzer. Wild tonight. Uh, bad pitch to Stanton, 11 strikeouts and five and a third. I don't really have any major takeaways, but I will say that the Nationals lineup is awful without Soto and Rendon right now. And if Victor Robles cannot move his way up this lineup, that's troubling. So he batted ninth tonight, but it's an opportunity for him to bat first. If he can just live up to his pedigree a little bit and start hitting, it's an opportunity for him to at least bat toward the top of the order. It's big for him. He's got to go out and do it. Yeah, I agree. I thought it was quite sad that he's batting uh, ninth. I guess they want that dual, you know, back-to-back leadoff guy. But why don't they just do that at the top of the order then? Why don't they do Robles, Turner? I guess it would be weird if Eaton bats third, but it's even weird when Starling Castro's batting third for your team anyway. So I I think... I think honestly, it makes more sense for Robles to bat like fifth or sixth than first, just looking at the on base skills of him versus others in the lineup. And, you know, you obviously want a high on base percentage at the top. So I'm not, I'm not, uh, I don't know. I, I don't think it's as, as uh, I'm not as hopeful of that, I guess, as you guys are with Robles. So, uh, I, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't I be just, counting on that. I wouldn't say I'm hopeful. I just think. The Soto injury, I mean, th- their lineup's terrible. So if he could become one of their better hitters, he could move up in the order. Now, if he bats fifth, that's probably not going to be good for his steals, but it's all speculation anyway. I, I guess I don't really have too many <laughs> things to take away from five well, innings of baseball. One thing I took away, and you know, we got a report that this might be the case in the last week before the season. I'm not sure how much we talked about it, but Carter Keboom wasn't in the lineup as Drupal Cabrera was this, at third base instead seems like the two are going to split time. Carter Keboom was, we, we frequently talked about him as being undervalued given his prospect pedigree and the role we thought we, he was going to have. I still think if he takes advantage of the, if he takes advantage of the opportunities he gets, then it's no contest and he becomes the starting third baseman. Like you didn't, you probably didn't draft him at a point where you have to play him. You probably only drafted him in larger leagues, I wouldn't be so quick to drop him. I would give it a little time to to see how much he plays and to see how he performs when he does play because it's still in this lineup he could emerge as the best hitter, maybe not the best fantasy player because that would obviously be Trey Turner, but the best like pure hitter. Adam, you mentioned Max Scherzer, kind of a mixed bag tonight. Five and a third innings pitch, four earned runs, four walks, quite wild, eleven strikeouts, sixteen of the outs, uh, eleven of the sixteen outs that he recorded were via strikeout with 22 swinging strikes. The Yankees are going to swing and miss quite a bit. Garrett Cole, uh, five innings pitched, one hit, one and run. That was to Adam Eaton. He allowed a solo homer, uh, five strikeouts with 11 swinging strikes. Chris, uh, DJ LeMahieu was active on the roster, but was not in the starting lineup tonight. Kind of curious. Uh, he hadn't played at all before this, right? He played, yeah, he played in played the summer Monday, camp game. Yeah. yeah. He, he'll yeah, be back. Yeah. He'll, he'll be back soon. Yeah, that would be my expectation that it's just a a situation where he's, you know, 
not quite all there needs to get up to speed a little bit more. Um, you know, off day today, they're off tomorrow, you know, off day today for him off tomorrow. I would expect we see him back in the lineup on Saturday. Some news and notes on a day when baseball returned, we lost one of the bright young stars. Juan Soto has tested positive for COVID. We talked about that on yesterday's show. And then Clayton Kershaw about four hours um, before first pitch for the Dodgers game, maybe even five hours, whatever it was, middle of the day, placed on the 10-day IL, uh, retroactive to July 20th with back stiffness. Apparently, he suffered the injury in the weight room, and this is not great because he has suffered uh, injuries to his back before. Dave Roberts did not provide a timetable for Kershaw's return, but he will miss at least two turns through the rotation given the minimum requirement for the IL stint, Dustin uh, oh, May. I, I saw a different. I saw a different report on that with Roberts. He seemed to suggest he could be back for the Diamondback series, which is yeah. the the end of next week. I think it. I think it. You know, Roberts doesn't sound really concerned at all. They just interviewed him. Yeah. In the game. Um, so isn't, what, isn't what would that make two turns though? What would make <laughs> technically? Technically two. Tur- yeah, it would technically be two turns because. Um, because he was the opening day star. Yeah, and then yeah. the Thursday game. So what I think is going to happen is they called up Dustin May for this start. It the fifth day would be Walker Bueller's first start, which we expected May to piggyback with Bueller anyway. So May sticks around to piggyback with Bueller, and then the next time through, Kershaw would take that opening, and uh, there's an off day in there that that allows that to work out. So I, I suspect we'll see Kershaw back next saturday so if you're playing an 11 game week you know you might still want to start him depends what two start options you'd be passing up there i think i i feel pretty comfortable recommending that and as for dustin may i'm who's you know in the fifth inning now and looking really looks, good i mean he looked good down the stretch last year too but looks I, unbelievably I, good yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure that they choose now to carve out a rotation opening for him when they have five options that they were already more comfortable with, but maybe he sticks around as like a, a bulk guy out of the bullpen. Yeah, Frank, I just want to point out with May, because this is tough to do because we're recording in the middle of the start and everybody's going to hear it when the game is over. Um, he's given up one run through four innings. He's He throws like 100 miles per hour. His cutter is ridiculous and it looks like it's like 94 miles per hour. But I, you know, he made four starts last year and really had trouble in the sixth inning a, a couple times. He also had an outing where he came in in the sixth inning and got roughed up. So, like, if you look at his sixth inning ERA, it's terrible. But his ERA last year, third time through the order, was over 20. And opponents batted over 500, okay? So let's see if he can navigate third time through the order. He's also facing arguably the worst lineup in the National League. But I certainly looked at every league I was in to see if Dustin May was available. He wasn't. He's fifty yeah. percent owned. Um, I, I gotta, I gotta think that was a tiny sample size, third time. Through. Yeah, I would guess that's like less than twenty plate appearances, right? But he is, he is curious in in a couple ways because like throws really hard, tons of movement on his pitches. As hard as they are, he gets a ton of movement on them. Yeah, you know, he's it was ranked high in every prospect rank list because the talent is obvious, but he's it's basically just sinker cutter. There's not a lot of like exactly. speed change of speed there. And so as good as his stuff is, he doesn't have a great strikeout rate in the minors. He gets a lot of weak contact, a great ground ball pitcher. And it led to big numbers, obviously yeah. coming up the ladder. It led to big numbers in his stint in the majors last year. But is he ever going to develop that, that swing and miss arsenal that would allow him to be a true stud in fantasy? Or is he going to be uh just good. I, I have no doubt he'll be good. It's just the degree of good that Dustin May will be. And when does he get that opportunity to to really become a fixture for fantasy players? Yeah, unfortunately, uh, there's a new tracking system that they're using for StatCast, and the numbers in-game are all wonky. I think it looks like the Yankees and national stuff is correct now. Um Helps that there were only two pitchers in that game. You guys said there were no be no complete games in 2020. Well, look at that <laughs> two in the very first game. Um, so it's not quite clear. Like he's thrown, it looks like nine or ten pitches, 90 miles per hour below, which is definitely not his cutter the way it's mo- moving tonight, and it's definitely not his fastball. So 
question is, is he throwing his change up more last year? He barely threw it. Or is it his curveball? And it looks like it, at least a couple of them are probably change ups. And this is Dustin May you're talking about, Chris? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I mean, what I'm looking at is he's thrown 56 pitches and 40 of them are sinkers and 10 of them are cutters. So, And that's basically who he was last year, too. So temper expectations, yes, he throws very hard. The cutter is awesome, but this is basically who he was last year, too. He was 57% fastball, 31% cutter. Really needs to kind of develop that curveball or at least use it more to, I think, you know, kind of reach his potential. Well, Frank, I'll ask you. If you had like Griffin Canning or one of these like late rise Garrett Richards, would you drop them for Dustin May? I wouldn't because I don't think he's going to be in the rotation long term. I, I think I do trust that Kershaw will actually be back rather quickly. And then, you know, maybe they find a way to keep him in the rotation. I mean, maybe if he's outperforming Ross Stripling or Alex Wood or something like that, but I just don't think that's going to happen. I think this is probably another year where Dustin May is mostly in long relief. Anything can happen, yeah. though. Yeah, I mean, you know, to quote Dr. Ian Malcolm, life uh, finds a way <laughs> when it comes to pitchers. You know, if we talk about there's not a spot in the rotation, there will be a spot in the rotation eventually, probably not uh, in the too distant future. That's the way pitching works. And so, as we found out five hours before opening pitch today with Clayton Kershaw. Um, so, for me, it's more just – like I haven't really taken Dustin May seriously as like one of the high upside young pitchers this year. And it's because his minor league production is, has never matched what the profile suggests it should be. Like you're talking about a mid three ZRA three five Oh for his minor league career, less than a strikeout per inning. Like he might be a guy that just figures it out when he See gets that little to the punch out right there. You said I a little mean, curveball. Little, then, I think it was a slider actually. A little, little punch out with the breaking ball. I'm watching ball him, but then I'm watching him pitch tonight and I'm like, holy crap. This is like, are we sure he's not the Dodgers best pitcher? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, he needs a third pitch. Some, the problem sometimes is, the, the production does not match, you know, the eye test. Yeah. yeah even yeah, it's like okay, so they're taking him out now after four and a third. He gave up seven hits to the Giants in yeah. four and a third. Inning. Like, that's not impressive, for, guys. As much as yeah, we're hyping yeah. him up, like, yeah, <laughs> and drop and him. Be 53% clear, owned. Come on now. What about Cueto? Let's talk about Cueto. Adam, Adam said that might be the worst lineup in the National League. I'm not sure that would have been the best lineup in the PCL last year. <laughs> the one really that the Giants bad. are throwing out there right now. Yeah, what can you tell me about Joe McCarthy, right fielder, starting right fielder for the um, San Francisco Giants? He's got today. a list of names yeah. <laughs> right here. I, I heard that they've had a new left fielder like 13 years in a row, opening day left fielder. Well, this yeah. is a new old left fielder though, right? Wasn't well, Hunter I Pence don't... today? Well, Alex oh, Dickerson's oh, playing oh, left today. Alex, Alex Dickerson. Dickerson. And I think one of them yeah. was Dave Roberts. They were talking about him yeah, on the broadcast. Uh, you mentioned Johnny Cueto, Adam, and four innings pitched so far, five hits, one and run, one walk, three strikeouts. It's just a delight to have Johnny looks, Cueto back. I mean, his quick pitching, great. his his stuttering. Uh, look, if he, if he delivers a quality start against the Dodgers, I'm not going to overreact. But we said, I said this yesterday, Scott. I think if he performs well, he... He should be on your radar after a start like this against a lineup like the Dodgers. Yeah, I agree. And I uh, thought it was crazy talking yesterday that anybody might would consider starting him in this first start back after a long layoff, a bad injury against the Dodgers. And so far, so good. Obviously, he has a track record of success. And uh, everybody could use an extra pitcher. So if he finishes the start strong in this matchup, then yeah, he's he's absolutely back on the mixed league radar. Yeah, his schedule is going to get pretty awful. Like it's Dodgers now, and then it's the Padres, which is fine. Then the Rangers, and then I think it's going to be, oh no, he's missing Colorado. Okay, so that's good. He's missing the Rockies, but it's at the Dodgers, then at Houston. Um, but he's he's got he's owned in fewer leagues than Dustin May. Cueto's 43% owned. You know the strikeouts are, are almost certainly not going to be that good, and the wins probably aren't going to be that good either. So mm-hmm. he's got to basically pitch like to the best of his abilities to be, I think, mixed league relevant. I'm would, not really that interested. Would it really surprise say. anybody if he performed like a Kyle Hendricks? Seven, eight Ks per nine, solid no, ratios? I mean, so. Johnny Cueto is a guy who, for a long time, a lot of people would say, well, 
he's about he's a regression candidate this year. He can't keep he can't put up a, a Babbitt that low. And he's been pretty consistently that kind of guy. He he's never had much differentiation between the velocity of his pitches, which you know makes him pretty hard to pick up when he throws five different ones. And he's actually throwing a little harder than I expected to today. Uh, you know, again, this stack has seems to be having a little issue, a couple of issues, and it seems like they've kind of classified some of his fastballs as sliders and some of his sliders as fastballs, but pretty much everything with the fastball has been 90 miles an hour or up with several in the 93 range. Um, his last start in summer camp, I saw a reporter was talking about, he was starting more like 88, 89. So Johnny Quaid is actually not that far off from, you know, where he was when he was pretty good. Adam, do you want to weigh in on Juan Soto at all? Cause we talked about it yesterday and you weren't on. I don't know that there's anything to add. No, you know, I thought it was really interesting in our podcast for the People League. Someone said, I think I actually don't know which league it was. It was one of our two podcast leagues. Someone said, would it be an insult if I offer Ramon Laureano for Juan Soto? And I don't think it is. I mean, I I wouldn't take that, but the offer would have would be to Frank in this particular. Yes, Frank has Juan Soto. And Um, I like Ramon Laureano. I like Ramon yeah, Laureano, but I, I, I wouldn't take, take what the you deal. can get. I don't know. I wouldn't take it. No. I yeah. mean, it basically comes down to like, if Juan Soto misses two and a half weeks, that's a quarter of the season. Yeah, and sure. he was someone in a points league we were probably expecting right around four points per game from. That would kind of mean if you could get someone who averages 3.2 points per game, that's probably a net win. I understand um, that's how the math works out, but in a three outfielder league, like a points league, I mean, there's a good chance you have somebody like that already sure. on the bench or already on the waiver wire. Right. Like if you're comfortable, there's no reason to sell low on Soto. If you have an adequate, repl- if, if all you're aiming for is adequacy, you you probably can find that in, in a three outfielder league. But it's it more likely, it's more likely you'll do it in a roto league, I think, because five outfielders... I mean, the replacement value there is a little bit tougher to come by. So. And he's, he's better in points than Roto. It's true. Yeah, but but here's but also, like, he had a... Basically, didn't have much of a summer camp. So I didn't know that he was... Because you know, he was, like, late to report, right? Yeah. And, and now he's got COVID. So it's hard to, hard to know what to expect from him when he comes back. He could get off to a slow start. But this is the most important question of the night, Frank. You have him in the For the People League. It's a 16-team league of three outfielders. Somebody offers you John Carlos Stanton for Juan Soto. <laughs> and that's, I mean, I think, I, I think that is a legitimate trade offer. Yeah, that's and fair. a yeah. tough call. That's yeah, fair. What would you do? I, I would probably take it. I probably would too. You probably yeah. have Loriano ranked higher though. Um, I think in Roto, I did in points. I had Stanton higher, but listen, what do, do you guys also think? Like, well, Ron Laureano or John Carlos said they could get COVID tomorrow. So it's like, I, I don't know how to approach this whole situation. You know, do you know well, they I could the number of players who have gotten it relative to the entire player pool is, is very low. So yeah. I don't think you should go around. I, I don't think you should play it that way. Yeah, yes. Like, it's of course possible. Anyone could get it, but it just seems yeah. self-defeating. It, to approach it's also, it that way. it's also possible that Juan Soto, and Giancarlo Stanton both end up having it. And stay with me now. Giancarlo Stanton recovers quicker. So like this, just this whole yeah, I know. thing it's crazy. is, yeah. it's just, we're dealing with total unknowns. We're not even dealing with like, like we're dealing with unknown unknowns. Like we don't know what we don't know when it comes to this kind of thing. It's not, it just isn't anything like what we're used to dealing with. It could be two weeks and Juan Soto's back in the lineup. It could be a month. He could miss the whole season. Like every single one of those things is in play in a way that wouldn't be true if he rolled his ankle or pulled his hamstring. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say to just answer Adam's question. Yeah, I'm not going to compare the severity of COVID because obviously, you know, it it could wind up being very severe for different people. But I think that, you know, the chance of someone catching it is probably just as likely as someone getting hurt randomly on the field. So Mm -hmm. it's just look, these things are going to happen, and it's just it's just really unfortunate that it happened to Juan Soto, who was one of the best young players, a first, second-round pick for fantasy on the day of opening day. So it sucks. Oh, it sucked. Yeah, it was, it was tough. Yeah. 
and so it's sad for him, and I'm happy that he's asymptomatic. And it'll be officially announced that an expanded postseason format will be will take place for the 2020 season this season. So more than half the teams in baseball, there are 30 teams in baseball, 16 of those will be in the postseason this year. So this it doesn't it doesn't affect fantasy. It does. Oh, I it guess does, it does. I think. Yeah, I think it, it makes does. teams. It makes yeah. a team like the Blue Jays even more uh, willing to put in a Nate Pearson and stick with him. It, right. It's gonna. It's going to create more contending teams. It's going to create, you know, these situations where you think like the Pirates are going to trade Keone Kella. Well, what if the Pirates' pitching staff actually is good and they're hanging around 500 come end of August? They might not trade those guys. They still and should trade. So them. they probably should. There's no actual <laughs> like benefit to making the playoffs in terms of the monetary aspect, which we know is the only thing that truly matters. But yeah, it's just it's going to create more opportunities for teams to go for it. And it is always good when teams are actively trying to win. That is good for fantasy because that means yeah. they're going to be incentivized to put their best players on the field, hopefully. And there was one player last year that basically quit, and that was Whit Merrifield. <laughs> who just decided he didn't yeah. want to run anymore because the Royals were so bad. So the longer they can hang around and just be within shouting distance of being yeah. the eighth best team. I know that they're probably not going to be, but it's not a, a, in a mm. month in 30 games. They could be, yeah, but you know, so that helps. You also yeah. look at someone like Nick Madrigal, like the White Sox were kind of fringe playoff contenders in a, in a five team playoff. All of a sudden, you know, this could be a team that really is going for it. And that, could mean that Nick Madrigal's up in six days. Yeah, I think all but I think all but seven teams are have a legitimate shot at making the playoffs now. And those seven, like I would include the Royals in the seven, but like you said, Adam, they they could think they have a shot yeah. until pretty late. And so, yeah, it's it's almost like every team is in it now, especially given how short the schedule is. Uh, you know, it's going to take. It's it's. It's I'm not sure we're going to have enough time for some team to be so clearly out of it. You know, maybe like the Tigers or Orioles or something. I guess it's possible. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's, all I it's, can think of it's possible that they are at least within shouting distance. All I can think of when you refer to them as the seven is like bathe in the light of the seven or whatever <laughs> it's called. That's I saw thing, someone right? else was speculating was going yeah. down the same path of thought not bathed in the light of seven but he included the rockies as an eighth team and that's just like that's sad for rockies fans because they're the seven are all rebuilding the rockies are not well see but did you see the the rockies had their analytics guys put together some numbers and the last time they won 73 games they won 92 the next year so oh <laughs> they must have the same analytics that, guys as uh dave gettleman the gm of the a, new york that's Giants. a real thing their owner <laughs> the or team president folks. said <laughs> All right, the last news item I want to hit on, Scott, you can uh, address this one. You're still wearing the Braves jersey from yesterday, so I appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, Kyle Wright is scheduled to start Tuesday's game against the Rays. Former first-round pick last year in AAA, a 4.17 ERA, a 1-2-6 whip for Kyle Wright. Uh, this is one of the pitchers for the Braves that I could see them not letting go very deep into the game, Scott. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The, the, the plan wasn't for him to be in the rotation. And for a, early on in summer camp, they were kind of treating him like a non-option for the rotation because he, he didn't have as much chance to, to build up during the, uh, the shutdown. So, you know, he, he had a, I know he had a bad start against the Marlins last time uh, in summer camp. And I think there's potential here. He finished the AAA season strong last year, obviously was the fifth overall pick a couple years ago, but uh, he really, he really has to show something before I consider him a potential pickup in fantasy. And, and as you said, I'm not really counting on that happening early in the year. A quickly update, you guys, on what's going on in this game. Johnny Cueto is out after four innings pitched, 63 pitches. So this is probably what and we're going to see a lot of the first, you know, couple of weeks, first couple of times through the rotation. Uh, Drew Smiley is in. Johnny Cueto is out. After Drew Smiley's four. throwing like 94 miles per hour. Don't sleep on Drew Smiley, man. Drew Come Smiley's on. Ever, no, he's someone I've always been interested in. And uh, he's throwing 94 miles an hour and may get to be a starter with half his games in, I almost called it Pac Bell. <laughs> uh, it's late at night, guys. Uh, uh, 
I'm going to keep an eye on Drew Smiley as Mookie Betts beats out an infield single to start a five-run rally. Give I, up move getting Cueto out of the game. That is ridiculous. Four I innings? Thought, I thought Smiley was in the rotation. It could be just an off-day thing where they they don't need a fifth starter for X number of days. I thought he was the fourth starter, though. They might, need a, might not need a fourth starter. That <laughs> is what roster resource has him as. The fourth yeah. starter, so uh, we shall see what happens. They have uh, Jeff Samarja second and Kevin Gausman third. Uh, let's see what happens with the San Francisco Giants. The pitching planner. We spoke about the four-day week for the weekend on yesterday's podcast. So today, we want to hit the 11-day week. If you're playing that you know, extended week in a head-to-head league, uh, we are also going to touch on some of those two-star pitchers if you set your lineup on Monday. Sleepers, for the 11-day week, this list... Doesn't really change much from uh, any of the guys we mentioned earlier. Scott, you have Alex Wood and Ross Tripling. They're going up against the Giants and the Diamondbacks. Corbin Burns against the Cubs and the Cardinals. Adrian Hauser, who we mentioned was really great in his final summer camp start. He is at the Pirates and against the Cardinals. And then Matt Shoemaker uh, against Tampa Bay Rays and the Nationals. Uh, The Nationals are quickly going to become one of the teams you want to stream your pitcher against because without Juan Soto, that lineup is dreadful. Nate Evaldi against the Orioles and the Marlins. Uh, that is, those are two primetime starts. And then Velasquez against the Marlins and the Toronto Blue Jays. Scott, who are you looking at for two-star pitchers if people are setting their lineups on Monday? So it's a bad list of two-star pitchers for week two if your week one was very short. Uh, it makes sense. I mean, obviously, teams are opening weekend here. They're they're probably stacking up their best pitchers, and so you're looking at the the back end of most rotations for the start of next week. So, I mean, the only studs that are making two starts next week are Garrett Cole, Tyler Glass, now Walker Bueller. Usually, we get as many as a dozen studs starting in a given week. And Bueller, you know, we talked about how he's probably going to be limited his first turn, if not his first two, and yet he's third in my two-star pitcher rankings that are going up on the site because given the the dearth of two-star options, I don't I don't know how you don't start him. Uh, Josh James, Adrian Hauser, uh, they are both supposedly available in a lot of fantasy leagues. I have them fourth and fifth. James has a matchup against Seattle. Hauser has a matchup against Pittsburgh. So those are pretty, I see them as pretty much must starts given the lack of two-star pitchers next week. I don't know if every week I'd call them must start two-star pitchers. It depends how, I guess, how, how they perform here at the start of the year. But for this upcoming week, I'd consider them must starts. Uh, I have J-Hap, Luke Weaver, kind of on the fence about Mike fulton because he was so bad with his velocity down in that last summer camp start. Uh, again, there's so few two-start options that if you made the investment in fulton on draft day, I, I'm not sure how many people are saying, okay, I'm going to sit him when I have so few two-start options, but it's, it's risky there at Tampa Bay and versus the Mets. Some sleepers, if, uh, if you're looking to go that route, uh, Dylan Cease, Griffin Canning, and Aaron Savale are all probably probably pretty well-owned. They might be available. In no, the, look, I'm surprised, Scott. Cease is 43%. Canning is 47%. And I think yeah. that even if you don't want to start them, it is worth uh, stashing them if you can. I mean, obviously, you have to make some tough decisions about who to drop. But a lot of people, a lot of fantasy managers are able to move players into their IR spots right now. From you know, from their drafts where they weren't able to do that, and if you have an open roster spot, Canning and Cease are like popping out to me, Scott, right now. Like th- they would be on my team immediately. Yeah, no, I I just don't trust the ownership percentages right now because a lot of a lot of things don't make sense with that data, and you wonder how many leagues were abandoned in March and what kind of impact that's having. So yes, oh, I hope that's not true. Yes, I hear what you're saying. I just I'm just not sure how much I believe it because did we have a single draft where Dylan Cease went undrafted now? Uh, he one of his matchups is at Kansas City. so that's I think that's so? not lately, but I don't like, think we had a single I don't know. One. I don't think he'd I would be say, owned in a 10 team league. I would say two or three weeks ago he wasn't necessarily getting drafted and everywhere. Griffin Canning certainly wasn't. Griffin Canning, Canning was wasn't, not getting Savale drafted wasn't, but I'm pretty yeah. sure Cease was. anyway. 
Some that I'm more confident will be more widely available. Chris Bassett, one of his two matchups is at Seattle. He took Jesus Lazardo's spot in the athletics rotation, and his ratios were actually pretty good last year, though he had some short starts. And then Anthony Desclafani, one of his two matchups is at Detroit. This is getting a little more desperate. This is These are the kind of mat- pickups I'd only consider like in a points league because uh, you know, the failure, the threshold for failure is, is lower or higher. Yeah, there's, not, there's less disaster potential for pitchers in points league because you don't have to guard the ratio stats. So Anibal Sanchez, one of his matchups is at Miami. Kyle Gibson, one is at San Francisco. Austin Voth, who won the fifth starter job for the Nationals, one of his starts is at Miami. And Pablo Lopez, yes, one of his starts is Baltimore. And the other is, not, is, yeah. is Washington. Yeah. Okay, I, I'm on board. I, I, at first, when you said Pablo Lopez, I was like, what is he talking about? You know, Pablo Lopez is kind of the forgotten man because he was hyped up last year in spring training and obviously was not great uh, in 2019. But Baltimore and the Nationals? Sign me up. I can get behind that. He's only yeah, 15% he, owned on CBS. He was averaging like 94 miles per hour with his fastball at the last uh, start of camp against the Braves. And he's got a new cutter and I think a new changeup. Uh, his curveball's always been a pretty good pitch. So, yeah, there are, I mean, look, he's a, a stallion. Of, a lot of changes. <laughs> he's a stallion. He's a stallion. He was, he had stretches last year where he was pretty good um especially early on in the year he really had like one or two disastrous starts that really inflated his era i started him for this game uh three innings pitched yep 10 hits game, yeah. 10 earned runs yep. no <laughs> two he walks, had if three you take that hits. one if you take that one out he had like a three four era through his first 14 starts i'm pretty sure Oh, these are Azer stats. I've heard about yeah, this in, I mean, uh, look, in fantasy I'm football. Just on fantasy football today. A fact. No, I remember Pablo Lopez being pretty popular on our show. He was always like, "Should we add him? Should we drop him? Should we add him?" Should we? He was. He was always uh, three one time. three three one three ERA through his first fourteen starts. If you take out that one against the Mets, that's pretty good. Reliable. I mean, look, the one thing that I'm wondering, Scott, is. Yesterday, I mentioned Discofani was placed on the 10-day IL. So, I think that that moves Wade Miley up. And I think Miley is going to have a double start against the Cubs and the Tigers. Uh, they both they both are in line to make two starts. Okay. Um, no question, Scott, on the two-star pitch. He's uh, got everything <laughs> Wade Miley, yes. any interest? I mean, he's facing the Tigers. I am wrong sometimes. Um and I'll have to look into this. I'll have to look into this injury for Desclafani more because I don't know. Have they given a timetable for him returning? I may, I may have presumed too much there. I, I'm not as interested in Miley. I don't think Miley's very good. He does have a matchup against the Tigers. Uh, for that matter, Eliezer Hernandez, who has shown some potential for the Marlins in the past. He has those same good matchups that Pablo Lopez does. I just, I can't. I can't go all the way to recommending them, especially, especially this first time through. And there's so much, you know, every new season there, there's so much mystery attached to every player. You're getting, you're getting into Scrubsville here. I'm not yeah. saying they'll never be useful, but I think everybody has to have a full allotment of pitchers at this point that are more attractive than them. These are mostly just guys to watch. I don't, I want to say a name. I don't know if he makes two starts this week, but I am much more interested in Tyler Malley than I am in Wade Miley. Uh, he had a 399 FIP or XFIP last season. He got really unlucky with the home runs, and that's been a thing that's happened in his brief major league career, but he's actually got pretty good stuff, great control. There, There is room for a Tyler Malley uh, breakout, and it's very confusing that him and Wade Miley are being talked about in the same sentence because it <laughs> kind of sounds like you're just saying one of them with an accent and the other not. Um, <laughs> I, also, Dylan Cease is twenty percent uh, rostered in Yahoo leagues, so just throwing that. But out. I, but I think Yahoo is like more ten teamers than CBS. But yeah, they're but fair. But yeah, like, he's not going to get drafted in ten team leagues for the most part. Uh, by the way, I think Disclafani expects to only miss one start. Okay, yeah. so that makes sense. Tyler Malley, I can kind of get behind. That might not. Chris, so. That might not make him a two start pitcher though. So I'm I'm actually going to remove Anthony Disclafani from the two start pitcher rankings. So I would not mm. advise picking him up. 
I would say of the names uh, that we've. <laughs> <laughs> it could be wrong, I know, but I'd rather not. I'd rather not call somebody a two-star pitcher and then them not be a two-star pitcher. I'd rather, I'd rather err on the side of caution with that. Look, I don't want to be the reason that Scott changes his two-star pitcher rankings or article, and then it all comes back to me. And he's like, "Frank, you suck. You messed it up." <laughs> to be honest, I didn't even know Desclafani went on the IL, so I clearly wasn't listening to you yesterday. I'm glad you pointed. <laughs> Well, thanks, Scott. Uh, before we get to the hitting planner, I do have to ask you guys a question. Did you see uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci's first pitch? Not great. Yeah. <laughs> we, just like, there's nobody in the crowd. Can we just get rid of all of the pregame ceremonies? This is like, it just, it feels like even more weird. I thought that, that was we're a like, nice touch. I, I thought you're in it Washington. Just, it's the beginning it of like, sports. You know, like having, sports. but like having a video with Morgan Freeman, like it just like the whole thing just feels even more weird and out of place. Like when they're doing the everybody clap your hands and there's <laughs> nobody in the crowd, like the whole thing <laughs> is very odd. Can we just like dispense with the pageantry and just like play a game of baseball? I just imagine I them creating like the cardboard cutouts, but like with cardboard hands that like clap together. <laughs> See, I would be down for that. Like, let's get weird with it. If you're going to get weird with it, put robots in the crowd and have them react. Yeah, I'm down with that. Adam, do you, Adam yeah. do you think you could throw a better first pitch than Dr. Fauci? Yeah, I do. I do. I was rooting for him. That was uh, that was a little unfortunate. That was almost like uh, that cover we heard of uh, all of uh, about a girl <laughs> that I've been laughing about for two days straight. Yeah, I do. My brother threw out the first pitch at a Marlins game uh, five years ago, something like that, and he nailed it. He was awesome. Nice. Uh, he's pretty. He's was, he was also he standing on the mound like Dr. Fauci. I don't know. I don't know why they had this eighty-year-old standing on the mound. That seemed like that seemed probably, like it was destined to fail. You know, everybody thinks it's easy, yeah. and then you get up Do there they? in front of all those people, <laughs> and uh, you know the the nerves get the better of you. All those cardboard I would say, cutouts. I would say like ninety-five percent of American men believe they can throw a f- good first pitch, and. Most of them are wrong. I don't think I could, but I do think I could do better than Fauci. I could. I could. I'm I, not going to say I Frank would. Could. I will. That one opportunity. Yeah, it's that one toss. Yeah. I don't know if it's going to be a strike. I mean, I'll I'll, like, I'll get it somewhere I, in the vicinity. I have but, you trouble know, you, asking the waiter for extra salsa. I'm not sure I can manage the pressure of throwing out a first pitch. What did you, Chris? Did you say salsa? Yeah, like you know, like it's like. Say, oh, say hey, salsa, Chris. Salsa. It sounded like you what? said salsa, like rhymes with where Tulsa. Where are you where you're ordering extra salsa? Any, like a, you know, a, a Chevy's. Do you have to pay for it? On the border. Are you willing to pay for it? Or do you expect uh, it to be complimentary? Well, yeah, it's complimentary. But Should that's be. why, like, it's okay. kind of awkward to ask for more. To ask for I gotcha. I didn't I understand, gotcha. I didn't, yeah. I, I wasn't quite making the I'm connection just, there. I'm just that. saying I'm an incredibly awkward person. And so I'm not going to guarantee that I can step on a mound with like, you know, Mike Yastrzemski standing behind a home plate waiting for me to throw one in and guarantee I'm not going to bounce it. There's a pretty good chance I'm going to mess that up. I'll probably trip on the way to the mound. (laughs) (laughs) Quickly promote a few things. If you're a fan of the podcast, we're not asking you to tell the world. But if you could just tell one friend about the podcast and why you like it, we would greatly appreciate that. And while you're at it, we would appreciate a five-star Apple podcast review. Drop a question in there and we will answer it on a future podcast. We'll take a quick break here. When we get back, we're looking at the hitting planner. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads. Nothing beats a weekend away with the family in the great outdoors, whether it's camping, hiking, river rafting, or anything in between. With third-row seating, nobody is left out. The entire family can experience the thrill together, and nobody wants a dead phone. Available dual wireless charging pads make it so nobody gets stuck, and we can check our fantasy baseball teams together. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. 
You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. We're back here on Fantasy Baseball today, looking at the schedule for the 11-day week, again, for hitters. And then I'm also going to reveal uh, some of the teams that only play five games if your lineup resets on Monday. But let's look at the scheduling for the 11-day week. Most teams play 10 games, uh, but these six play nine games. The Pirates, the A's, the White Sox, the Brewers, the Astros, uh, and the Twins. Most of those lineups are great ones. You'll start those players. And then you have Josh Bell, who you're starting, uh, and then Brian Reynolds, too. If you play in a five outfielder league, you're probably starting him in a three outfielder league. Maybe you have somebody better. Um, these three teams only play eight games in the 11-day week. The Cardinals, the Rangers, and the Rockies. The Rockies, only three of those games are in Coors Field, and they are against the Padres. Uh, I have these as like the fringe players on those teams that play eight games. Colton Wong, Matt Carpenter, Paul DeYoung, Tommy Edmond, Shinsu Chu, Willie Calhoun, Danny Santana, Isaiah Kiner-Falefa, David Dahl, Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, Daniel Murphy. Does anyone yeah, I, stand out I, there? I sat David Dahl for Aaron Hicks. Uh, Hicks had two two more games, yeah. and Dahl, Dahl was really bad on the road last year, and three of his eight games are at home. So I, don't, I love David Dahl. I really wanted to get him in a lot of my drafts, but I'm not super into him. We're less, less than half of his games are on the road or are at home and he's already down games compared to everybody else. So, uh, I think, you know, Hampson, if you want this, I don't know about the steals, you know, I mean, but how many games is Hampson going to start in an eight game week Four. yeah, I mean, oh, I, th- I thought he'd be more able- than that, but yeah, we don't really know. That's going to yeah. be a big one to watch his playing time, but yeah, I think they've got, they've yeah. got Rogers up too. Hampson yeah. Hampson. Like if, if it's a full Roto league with all those lineup spots to fill and you know, he's one of your primary steel sources, you probably just start him. And in any other scenario, you probably sit him at least until we, we see how much he's playing. Uh, I'm probably the biggest Willie Calhoun fan. And even I would bench him too, because eight games, he's coming off the hip injury. I think he appeared in a summer camp game on Wednesday and I think he went 0 for 4 with three strikeouts. So I've got to see a little bit more from Willie Calhoun. I'm most likely benching him if I have someone that I can start instead. Scott, some of the sleepers that you have for the 11-day week, some of the Mets that you like, J.D. Davis, of course, Yoannis Cespedes, Ahmed Rosario. They have six games against the Braves, and they have four against the Red Sox. Uh, Scott, would you start someone like J.D. Davis and Cespedes over David Dahl? Would you... 10 games versus the eight, only three in Coors Field for Dahl? I, I, I mean, I would J.D. Davis. I think J.D. Davis is must-start. It's one of those situations where I don't quite believe the ownership percentage that's showing up right now, but I, I can't ignore it and leave him off this list. So, yeah, I mean, him over David Dahl, that might be something I'd do anyway, regardless of matchups. But uh, Cespedes over Dahl, like, I have enough questions about Cespedes and, and how how back to 100% is he really after three leg surgeries and how much is he going to play since Dominic Smith had a huge, uh, had a huge camp. Uh, yeah, I, I have enough questions there that I, I'd probably stick with doll even with the bad matchups, but it would at least, it would at least give me pause. One player I really like this week, the Padres have in my mind, the best matchups of any team for the, extra long week one. That's what we're talking about here. We haven't jumped to week two yet. Padres get that series at Colorado and they face the Giants rotation three times. So I like Will Myers a lot. I might consider him over Dahl. I like Trent Grisham a lot, though he's unproven. And so that would probably be more of a a deeper league situation. Uh, Well, Adam Eaton, it's too late to start him, I guess. But he he was on this list, and he has homered already, and they played the Seinfeld theme as he trotted around the bases, which I, I thought was a nice touch. We haven't, I haven't really heard that application for the Seinfeld theme before, but it, it worked, I think. <laughs> Great call, Scott, by the way. I mean, hey, you touted Adam Eaton, home run off of Garrett Cole. Little pat on the back there, I, Scott. I wasn't necessarily uh, putting him on this list for his matchups against the Yankees. <laughs> right. 
more of the Blue Jays and Marlins later in the week, but we're off to a good start. Yeah, I don't think uh, he's coming out against lefties, by the way. They need him in the lineup. <laughs> Did you listen to Thursday's podcast, Adam? Because I said exactly that. When we got the Juan oh. Soto news, I said, Adam, if you're listening, pretty sure Adam Eaton's going to play every day now. They don't have a choice, really. Um, a few other names here. Alex Verdugo we spoke about as well yesterday. He gets the Orioles. He gets four games against the Mets. And really, like outside of DeGrom, the Mets rotation is kind of a mess, in my opinion. Uh, and then he gets three against the Yankees. And Shogo Akiyama. He plays 10 games. Six are against Detroit. Four are against the Cubs. Uh, both pitching staffs, in my opinion, stink. Hendricks is okay. Many, Darvish is fine. How many, How many lefties? Yeah. How many lefties? So he might get Boyd twice, and the Cubs have Lester. Ah, yeah, start that's, him. That's going to be the term, determining factor for him, I, I would think, is whether he's they're facing lefties. I think it's because the Philip Irvin is really the only platoon option there, right? Since they sent Aristides Aquino down. Mm-hmm. And they also have Jesse Winker, who you yeah. would think would platoon. So I'm not I'm not so sure Akiyama won't play every day, actually. Certainly if he performs. I mean, they got him to be a table setter, best, you know, not best, but terrific track record in Japan. Uh, right now, roster resources showing him as not being in a platoon. So I'm, I'm not so sure it's going to be a strict lefty-righty thing with him. Yeah, seven of those games are in Great American Ballpark as well. Uh, what I'm looking at is he will definitely face Lester midweek, and he will definitely face Matt Boyd, obviously, on opening day. Uh, he will not get Matt Boyd for Boyd's second start. Boyd will face the Royals instead. So he'll face at least two lefties that I can see as of now. Uh, I do like it, though. I like Akiyama for Shogo Akiyama is somebody who I, I, could see his, I could see his ownership surging here early in the season once pe- people realize how much he's playing, how good the Reds lineup is, how much he's getting on base. Obviously, it's, it's contingent on him actually doing that, but I could see that absolutely happening with him. For lineups that are set on Monday, there are 19 teams that have seven games next week, so you really are going to need that volume, especially if you play in a points league. But again, those three teams that I mentioned that only play eight games in the 11-day week, they also only play five games for the start of week two if your week resets. And those are the Cardinals, the Rangers, the Rockies. Scott, I would say that if your week resets on Monday, that I think Trevor Story and Nolan Arenado, out of all those teams, on uh, all those players on those teams, are the only must-start players I would consider Gallo and Goldschmidt even on the fringe with as many teams that have seven games uh, compared to these that only have five. Blackman? I think he's closer Uh, to Gallo and Goldschmidt. Two of the five are on the road, right? Yes. And I've got the three at home. Yeah, I think think that's right. Three at home for the Rockies, three of the five. Um, I would say in a Roto League, you're starting Charlie Blackman. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think Blackman, I think Arenado, I think Trevor Story uh, are obvious for the Rangers. I would say Gallo is an obvious start. Uh, the Cardinals have just five games too, right? Did you mention them? Yeah. Yes. I mentioned Goldschmidt as someone yeah, who might Goldschmidt, be on I can't the fringe. You sitting, but the thing is, like, the others, you could consider sitting them. Would I go so far as to burn a roster spot picking someone else up to start over them? Probably not. I'd probably just say, okay, this might not be their strongest week. But, you know, sometimes they surprise you in those five-game weeks. Yeah, I mean, that's a two-homer game or something, and it's like, all right, it was worth it. Yeah, if Charlie Blackman has a five-hit game, boom, he was worth starting. Yeah. Yeah, I I just want to add, you know, it is the first week of the season. Guys are going to sit. So someone who has a seven-game week might only have a five- or a six-game week. On the other hand, someone who has a five-game week might only have a four-game week. Although you think they're probably less likely to sit those – in those particular instances because they have the built-in days off. But um, I wouldn't plan. It's like it happens with a doubleheader. You know, you go, oh, this guy's got eight games. Well, they don't usually don't play both games of a doubleheader. They're not going to play eight games in seven days. So you're if you go with a guy who's not a very good hitter because you think he's got seven games, it's pr- it, there's a good chance it's not going to happen. He might not even play. He might play five. So don't go crazy, I guess. Yeah, and those five-game weeks are going to be, I'm pretty sure all of them are Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So it's not like there's like four or five games in a row where they might need that day off. Um, so it's probably less likely that those, those players playing five games are going to get a day off. We have a few questions from our Apple Podcast review. This one comes from Austin Frankie. 
Dear Rogers, Eddie, Knapp, and Joe. Those are Hall of Fame second baseman. Apparently, he's second baseman with the highest OPS ever. Hornsby, Eddie. Oh, which one's that? Hey, you guys are older than me. Knapp, You're supposed to know your history. And, and Joe Morgan are the other. <laughs> Is that how you pronounce yeah. it? I thought, I thought it was, it was. Naplahoy, but no. I, that I actually know. sounds more right. I've never <laughs> heard that name said out loud. I've only read it. Who's the Joe? Eddie Collins. Is that a thing? He was like a baseball player, right? <laughs> he sounds like a baseball player. It definitely sounds like a baseball player. 10 team oh, Roto oh, Keeper League. I went heavy on pitching and didn't target a second baseman uh, as early no, as I would have liked. Oh, it is Eddie Collins. I thought it, was, it is Eddie Collins. He has one of the five highest OPS for second baseman on base percentage. Four twenty four. No, it's OPS. Eight fifty three. Oh. That's okay. Yeah, no. Well, move over. He's good. Hall of Famer. Robinson Cano. Cano is coming. Yeah. Two time uh, MVP. One-time all right. Sorry, MVP. Frank. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> this uh, gentleman. Austin did not target a second baseman as early as he would have liked. His middle infield consists of Ryan McMahon. He has Trey Turner at shortstop. He has Didi Gregorius as his middle infielder, as well as Cesar Hernandez on the bench, so he can swap those guys around. Uh, is this viable in a 10-team keeper league, or should I look to pick someone up on waivers or uh, possibly move a pitcher? Uh, they're in. They're playing Roto this year, and then they're moving to head-to-head points. Pitchers are Scherzer, Charlie Morton, Lucas Giolito, Brandon Woodruff, Zach Gallen, Julio Arias, Nick Anderson, Edwin Diaz, Zach Britton. Look, I mean, none of those, none of those guys besides Turner seems like a long-term keeper option anyway. So I'll just say go get Howie Kendrick if he's available. He's not going to have much long-term value, but yeah, uh, even in a 10-team league, it's very possible if he hits as well as he did last year playing DH every day, it's entirely possible that he's a top five second baseman. I mean, if he, if he hits anywhere close to what he did last year. Yeah. One thing to remember with Kendrick is he played every single game in the playoffs last year. Like when there was off days for him, when there was opportunities to use the DH, like the nationals considered him a major part of their lineup. He won NLCS MVP. And uh, now they have the DH and they're missing Rentone and, and Soto. So he's going to play a ton. I, I, that's a good call. There's a good chance Kendrick is available in the 10 team league. I would make that move if you could. I think Dansby not, Swanson might be available in a 10-teamer. He's only 42% owned. Uh, I, I'm going to have to go ahead and disagree with my esteemed colleagues here. I don't think Howie Kendrick is going to be the answer. Now, you could go get him and see how you do. But I think if you want to be, if you want to stand out in a 10-team league at second base, trade one of your pitchers for a stud second baseman um, because you have pitching depth. But I don't think you have to do that immediately. Sure, go get Kendrick and see what happens. Yeah. Or, or McMahon. McMahon had a huge, huge buildup to the season. And another great performance in the preseason. I don't know if it was spring training and summer camp combined, but he, he had like five or six homers. Well, he probably like played that. like all of his summer yeah, camp at Coors Field. He's Ar- so bad on the road. Well, all in Arizona and Coors Field. He's got a ton of strikeouts. I, I don't know. Ryan McMahon is someone a lot of people still have hope for. I do not, but he does I mean, hit the ball hard. He's still very early in his career. The data wasn't good last year and what was his first real opportunity. But, you know, drop Cesar Hernandez because you know he's Scrub City in a 10 team league. Drop him for and Kendrick if he's in, out there. Well, and especially <laughs> right. in Roto. Like, I think in head to head, you could make a case that he might be, you know, someone you can hang on to in a head to head points league. Um, but yeah, Roto, I mean, it's it's really you're hoping for batting average and runs. Are you, are you guys done? Are you guys done bashing Cesar Hernandez? The only response I have to that. Uh, this next one from Corey Wisely. I mean, the way this is going, Cesar Hernandez is going to hit a home run tomorrow. Of course he is. Five by five standard categories league and could use a few more stolen bases. Do you guys warrant me dropping Fran Mill Reyes for Kyle Tucker? I have solid power throughout my lineup. You've got a worse hitter than Fran Mill Reyes. Uh, I mean, don't drop Fran Mill Reyes. I, yeah. My bold prediction, he's going to lead all of baseball in home runs. Yeah, like I, I want Kyle Tucker on my team. Find a way to make uh, it happen, but yeah, but can't you drop have Reyes. someone worse than Fran Mill. It's got to be a small league if Kyle Tucker's yeah. undraft, un- unowned, right? Yeah. I, I cannot even tell you. I did a Yahoo draft on Wednesday night. It was Kyle Tucker. I didn't even see him 
because their rankings are so different than ours. Yeah. He must have gone in almost the 20th round. I mean, he was so late. His value is super low right now, I think. Yeah. It now might it's not also, a bad time to trade for him. Might have been a, a league that drafted in March when it wasn't clear he had a role or when it was starting to look like he didn't. Or even, I mean, three weeks ago, Dusty Baker all but said J- Josh Reddick was going to be the, the starter and Kyle Tucker didn't really have a job. Let's guess his ownership percentage on CBS. Kyle Tucker? Uh, uh, he's below 60%. Uh, he was one of the really? guys I, I wrote about. At, he's 58%. Oh, um, oh geez. Let well, other people play. Well, there's the yeah. game. <laughs> 58, yeah. Yeah, he. I, I wrote about Jose, Juan Soto replacements earlier today, and he was the top one. Um, so that probably means he's like 4% owned in Yahoo leagues. <laughs> yeah, right, probably. All right, let's I wrap. Okay. What do you got, Scott? Anything? I was just going to say, I, I still don't think it's completely clear that Kyle Tucker, sure. even with Jordan Alvarez out, is an everyday player. Dusty Baker was talking about putting... Uh, Aledmus uh, Diaz. Yeah, that's the I name. Mean, yeah. Uh, at the very least, I'd worry about it being a platoon between the two. And, and so that would be reason enough to prioritize free and mill race, regardless of your category needs. All right, let's get a few rapid fire questions in here. This two-parter from Zach. 10-team, 6x6 Roto with OPS and quality starts added on top of the typical stats. Uh, we have an NA spot designation on our rosters. Would you hold on to Nate Pearson or Dylan Carlson with that top spot to start the season? Scott? Pearson. Also, I didn't do too hot at second base in my draft. I ended up with Howie Kendrick. Apparently might be pretty good, according to Chris. Uh, Colton Wong. Uh, but have Starling Castro, Tommy Lastella, and Lourdes Gurriel Jr., must be a Yahoo league because Guriel has the second base eligibility. Uh, how would you rank those five second basemen? Chris, Kendrick, Colton Wong, Starling Castro, Tommy Listella, Lourdes Guriel Jr. Uh, Kendrick, Guriel. Really? Kendrick ahead of Guriel. Wow. I guess. Uh, I guess Colton Wong. Yes. That's and the right then answer. And Tommy Listella and Starling Castro. I really like Tommy Listella. If what he did last, he's another guy that if what he did last year was for real. Uh, he's going to be a, he, he was playing like a top five second baseman last season. I really like Tommy Lestella. I do not think Chris, I think Chris really did not like Tommy Lestella all last year. Uh, I remember you arguing vociferously against him. I was him. very skeptical, but that was when we were talking about like, is Tommy Lestella a top 10 second baseman rest of the season? Now it's like, does Tommy Lestella deserve to be drafted? Was yeah. the question. And I, I drafted him and, I don't know, maybe all of my leagues. <laughs> Last question of the day. This one's from Shane. Dear Nick, Isaiah, and Rugned. Those are Rangers. Those, those are Odor's. <laughs> Isn't Rugned Odor's brother named Rugned? Yeah. Or his cousin uh, or yeah. something? Yeah. Very weird. Uh, well, they please, have a different last name. Please, please pick <laughs> one pitcher to start in my 10-team points league. Lance Lynn at home versus Colorado. And at San Francisco, Lucas Giolito versus Minnesota. And at Cleveland, Robbie Ray, your future Cy Young winner, at San Diego and home versus the Dodgers. You guys are going to call me crazy. I'm uh, going with Lynn. Lynn. Yeah, I got to go with Giolito. I, like, <sighs> I understand Lynn's got great matchups, but G- like it, you can't draft Giolito in the third round and not start him in a two-start week. I'm sorry. Yeah, I what jumped kind the of gun. pitching staff does this guy have? Yeah. He's, he's deciding between Giolito and Lynn. And, oh, yeah, Robbie Ray's hanging out there, too. That's yeah, uh, he, that's a good situation to be in. But you're just, going to pit, pick wrong a lot of times. That's just... Lance Lynn is, I think, a must-start pitcher in most yeah. circumstances. Yeah. And he's got... I mean, Colorado's a bad, ma- bad lineup mm-hmm. outside of cores, and San Francisco, again. I, know, I, I'm saying Giolito. I'm sticking to it. I'm saying Giolito too. At Cleveland is a sneaky tough matchup. The Indians score a lot of runs at home. Scott, are you going to tie this bad boy up and say Lance Lynn? <sighs> My uh, heart says Giolito. I'm going to go with Lynn this time. Yeah, go listen to your I've been, brain. I've been backing Lynn all preseason, so. With that disparity in matchups and and me me thinking they have similar upside, Lynn and Giolito. I'll go with Lynn. Listen All to right, me, well, your brain. <laughs> I hope that helps, Shane. Adam and I say uh, Giolito, and these two schlubs are going to go with Lance Lynn. All right, that'll do it for the weekend. Enjoy, everyone. We have a whole weekend of baseball. Holy, when's the last time we could have said that? 
Uh, like nine months ago. A, a really, really long time Literally ago. Literally nine months. For Adam, Scott, and Chris, I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today on our YouTube channel. We'll talk to you again on Monday. Bye-bye. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property, it's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework.